the Bi-Urban Yogi, Episode 15, featuring the work of Gregory M. Herrick. I'm Will Blunderfield. I'm a psychology major, kundalini yoga teacher, spin instructor, recording artist, and mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher in training. Join me in this free-flowing conversation with mentors and experts on such diverse topics as queer theory, holistic well-being, and music. Gregory M. Herrick is a professor of psychology at the University of California at Davis, UCD. He received his PhD in social psychology from UCD in 1983, then was a postdoctoral fellow at Yale University. He co-edited Hate Crimes, Confronting Violence Against Lesbians and Gay Men, 1992, and edited Stigma and Sexual Orientation, 1998. I hope you enjoy this essay by Dr. Gregory M. Herrick on the roots of homophobia. Growing up as the only boy in choir and being considered effeminate, I suppose, uh, you know, compared to, you know, the, the rugby boys. I was the, you know, the student council head and I was always doing, you know, performances and musical theater and singing at different assemblies. And, you know, when, when most people were kind to me, there was a conglomerate of the, the school population that, you know, would do things like throw rotten eggs at me as I was running, throw me into trash cans, call me faggot and queer, you know, while I was having coffee with my boyfriend down at Park Royal in West Van and sort of like all these really intense experiences, um, you know, kind of shaped me and shaped my nervous system in such a way where, um, you know, I'm really sort of triggered by uh, anything I perceive to be as homophobic or discriminatory, whether it's towards myself or any other uh, minority. Um, so I've always, I've always been curious about the origins or the roots of homophobia specifically. Um, I remember trying to start a gay straight alliance um, at West Van Secondary School and the teacher who was running the, um, the diversity club I approached her and I said, hey, I just wondering if we could start a gay straight alliance. I really love the work that we're doing with uh, racial diversity at the school. And, you know, I think it would be really cool to to include, um, you know, protection and support of gay and lesbian students. And she said, oh, we don't we don't do that here. That's not appropriate. Um, you know, and and having just, you know, had my tires slashed and people throw eggs at my family's house and draw penises on my student council posters. It, it was kind of disconcerting for me to hear this from this teacher. Um, because, you know, as my teacher Ian Finn says, in order to be happy and healthy as humans, we need three things, nature, silence, and community. And so anyway, here's a little article that I came across. It's called Hating Gays, an Overview of Scientific Studies by Gregory M. Herrick. Social scientists attempting to explain why so many people hold negative feelings towards homosexual persons have tended to offer either theoretical speculations or empirical data 
with little synthesis of the two. The theoretical accounts often have revealed more about the writer's personal prejudices towards homosexuality than society's reaction to it. For example, William James, uh, 1890, assumed that being repulsed by the idea of intimate contact with a member of the same sex is instinctive and exists more strongly in men than in women. Interestingly, in cultures where such forms of quote-unquote unnatural vice as homosexuality are found, James supposed that the instinctual aversion had been overcome by habit. In other words, he assumed that tolerance is learned and revulsion is inborn, rather than vice versa. This is particularly surprising in view of his hypothesis that a germinal possibility for same-sex attraction exists in most men. There are similarities between the thinking of James and Edward Westermark, 1908, but the latter went beyond instinct-based explanations in his cross-cultural study of morality. He was willing to assert that societal censure of homosexual practices is due to the, quote, the feeling of aversion or disgust which the idea of homosexual intercourse tends to call forth in normally constituted adult individuals whose sexual instincts have developed under normal conditions, close quote. But he thought this explanation was inadequate in accounting for the particularly violent reaction against homosexuality displayed by the Jewish, Christian, and Zoroastrian religions. Their strong hostility exists, he said, because homosexual practices were associated historically with idolatry and heresy, and so were condemned by way of laws and customs. Psychoanalysts offered a more social-psychological view. Sigmund Freud, 1905, asserted that an exclusive heterosexual orientation does not only result from biological causes, but also is influenced by societal prohibitions on homoeroticism and by early experiences with parents. He assumed that all men and women had strong attractions to their same-sex parent, but these feelings were usually repressed, repressed, in dissolving the complete Oedipus complex. In many cases, however, the repression is incomplete. Thus, Sandor Ferenczi, 1914, suggested that heterosexual men's feeling of aversion, hostility, and disgust towards male homosexuality really are reaction formations and symptomatic of defense against affection for the same sex. Ferenczi did not extend his analysis to women's attitudes or to attitudes towards lesbians, but similar processes might be inferred. The bulk of studies have sought to uncover the correlates of negative attitudes. Some findings are contradictory, such as the relationship between sex role conformity, i.e. masculinity, femininity, and androgyny, and attitudes. In general, however, some consistent patterns have been observed across different samples. When compared to those with more favorable attitudes towards lesbians and gay men, these studies have found that persons with negative attitudes, colon, one, are less likely to have had personal contact with lesbians or gay. Two, are less likely to report having engaged in homosexual behaviors 
or to identify themselves as lesbian or gay. Three, are more likely to perceive their peers as manifesting negative attitudes, especially if the respondents are males. Four, are more likely to have resided in areas where negative attitudes are the norm, for example, the Midwestern and Southern United States, the Canadian prairies, and in rural areas or small towns, especially during adolescence. Five, are likely to be older and less well-educated. Six, are more likely to be religious, to attend church frequently, and to subscribe to a conservative religious ideology. Seven, are more likely to express traditional restrictive attitudes about sex roles. Eight, are less permissive sexually, or manifest more guilt or negativity about sexuality, although some researchers have not observed this pattern, and others have reported a substantially reduced correlation with the effects of sex role attitudes. Partialed out. Nine, are more likely to manifest high levels of authoritarianism and related personality characteristics. Sex differences in the direction and intensity of attitudes have been observed fairly consistently. It appears that heterosexuals tend to have more negative attitudes towards homosexuals of their own sex than of the opposite sex. And I'll just stop there for a moment. I had a sort of a traumatic experience um, last week during Pride. Prior to me heading up to Whistler, I was uh, near a dog park in North Vancouver, and uh, I was waiting for my car to be uh, serviced. And so I thought I'll do guided meditation for half an hour. So I set my timer and I turned inward and I was sitting in a secluded area, uh, sort of near the North Shore Auto Mall, um, near some rocks behind a volleyball court where nobody was. And all of a sudden this, uh, I heard these footsteps and I was practicing a Buddhist meditation. So I was labeling it hearing, hearing. And, um, Sooner or later, the, the fellow walked over to me and I didn't look at his face, but I could sort of see his feet as they stepped on me and my iPhone and my shirt uh, and his dog trampling over me. I could see that, you know, he was wearing Birkenstocks. His, his voice was sounding like he may have been, you know, a white man in his, you know, six, late 60s, perhaps. So anyway, he's like, you better get out of the way. I'm going to run you over. And I was just sitting and labeling it fear, fear. And anyway, he, he ran over me with his dog as I was sitting cross-legged, and it was kind of shocking. And then about five minutes later, he came back with what I perceived to be his wife or his girlfriend, and he said, Hey, Sensei, you better get out of the way, otherwise I'm going to run you over with my dog. And I labeled that, you know, curiosity, curiosity, because I was kind of curious as to, you know, what was going on. And then he actually came right up to me and he had his dog trample over me and he stepped on my iPhone and stepped on my, my new white shirt that I'd gotten um, for Kundalini yoga. And then his wife said to me, oh, I'm sorry, our dog is blind. And, uh, and then they, they proceeded to walk all over me and then, then left. And it kind of left me feeling traumatized. It brought up back memories of, um, you know, being, being attacked uh, and called faggot. And I know that this man and his wife didn't explicitly call me a fag at this time, but I spoke about it with a trusted mentor uh, later that day. And she said, well, you know, you did have your shirt off. You were wearing tight spin pants and um, 
it was Pride Weekend, and there's tons of Pride flags and advertisements all over the place, and perhaps this man and his wife um, were triggers, and then they saw you meditating, and you know you were an easy target to take out their rage on. So it was it was a traumatic experience, and so it, I you know I don't know whether or not it was connected to homophobia in that instance, but it just kind of made me feel sad, made me feel sad. Anyway, let's continue with this article. This is an article actually from PBS. Um, It goes, it continues. Experiential attitudes develop when affects and cognitions associated with specific interpersonal interactions are generalized to all lesbians and gay men. A person with positive experiences, therefore, expresses generally favorable attitudes, and a person with negative experiences reports unfavorable uh, favorable attitudes because of the experiences. Note that experiential attitudes do not inevitably follow interactions. It is necessary also that those interactions themselves, rather than, for example, ideological considerations, provide the primary basis for the attitude. Interactions have consequences for both beliefs and affects associated with lesbians and gay men. Because they provide information, face-to-face interactions tend to refute stereotypes and reduce ignorance, which Marmore, 1980, identified as the most important sources of hostility towards homosexual persons. At the same time, interpersonal encounters have an emotional impact that individuals can generalize to all gays and lesbian people. Thus, heterosexuals who know lesbians and gay men are better able than others to recognize stereotypes as inaccurate and are more likely to express tolerant attitudes as well. Since only about one-fourth of the adults in the United States report that they have homosexual friends or acquaintances, and that was way back in 1983, so we're hoping that the number will be higher now, it can be hypothesized that attitudes will become more favorable overall as more lesbians and gay men disclose their sexual orientation to friends or family. For the present, however, we must assume that only a minority of people in the United States have attitudes based on experience. The remainder have formed their opinions and beliefs without the benefit of personal contact. So for this man who attacked me while I was meditating, you know, he was in his late 60s or 70s, you know, perhaps he has no friends who who are gay. Um, Anyway, let's continue. Consequently, stereotypical beliefs about gay men and lesbians are prevalent, and it is appropriate here to discuss their forms and effects. Most common stereotypes are related to cross-sex characteristics. Additionally, significant numbers of individuals characterize male homosexuals as mentally ill, promiscuous, lonely, insecure, and likely to be child molesters, while lesbians have been described as aggressive and hostile toward men. Positive characteristics are also part of the homosexual stereotype, including such traits as sensitivity, intelligence, honesty, imagination, and neatness. Recent research in social cognition has revealed the importance of stereotypes as cognitive categories for imposing order and predictability on the world. Some people feel the need for categorization so strongly that they increase their liking for a person simply because she or he labels another as homosexual. Homosexual persons who violate uh, violate stereotypical expectations, for example, masculine gay men 
and feminine lesbians may actually be disliked. Such nonconformity may be noticed, however, since labeling itself can lead people to perceive stereotypical behaviors whether or not they occur. So uh, as this article is a little older, um, you know, I would update it by adding fluid. Sometimes when I say I'm fluid or when I'm bisexual, I get, you know, a certain amount of uh, backlash uh, from people who would just rather me say that I'm straight or that I'm gay. Um, it frequently is assumed that feelings of personal threat result in strong negative attitudes towards homosexuality, whereas lack of threat leads to neutral or positive attitudes. This perspective often is associated with the term homophobia, and it derives from a psychodynamic view that prejudiced attitudes serve to reduce tension aroused by unconscious conflicts. Attitudes are likely to serve a defensive function when an individual perceives some analogy analogy between homosexual persons and his or her own unconscious conflicts. Subsequently, that person responds to gay men and lesbians as a way of externalizing inner conflicts, thereby reducing the anxiety associated with them. The conflicts specific to anti-homosexual prejudice presumably involve a person's gender identity, sexual object choice, or both. For example, unconscious conflicts about one's own sexuality or gender identity might be attributed to lesbians and gay men through a process of projection. Such a strategy permits people to externalize the conflicts and to reject their own unacceptable urges by rejecting lesbians and gay men, who symbolize those urges without consciously recognizing the urges as their own. Um, This makes me think of a fellow who used to beat me up and bully me in high school, and he was an overweight dude, and uh, he was nasty to me throughout high school, calling me faggot and just not good. And then I saw him at a gay bar a couple years ago, and he came up to me and apologized and said, I'm sorry that he was, you know, secretly gay, and he was projecting... Since contact with homosexual persons threatens to make conscious those thoughts that have been repressed, it inevitably arouses anxiety in defensive individuals. Consequently, defensive attitudes are likely to be negative. Several psychodynamic explanations offered for attitudes towards lesbians and gay men fit with the defensive function. Heterosexual men may envy gay men because the latter are not constrained by the masculine ideal. Heterosexuals may also envy the sexual freedom presumably enjoyed by lesbians and gay men. In either case, the envy is presumably translated unconsciously into hostility. In a similar vein, Corey, 1951, also proposed that negative feelings toward opposite-sex homosexuals result from heterosexuals' feelings of rejection as potential sexual, sexual partners. Weinberg, 1972, hypothesized that since many people strive for vicarious immortality by having children, and since lesbians and gay men are perceived incorrectly, of course, uh, as having rejected this means for eluding the finality of death, the latter evoke an unconscious and unconscious fear of death. Many particular empirical findings I have mentioned make sense if we assume that negative attitudes often are based in part on a defensive function, the finding that people are more negative toward homosexuals of their own sex than toward those of the opposite sex. 
since same-sex homosexuals presumably are more threatening. The positive correlations between hostile attitudes towards homosexuality and variables such as authoritarianism, cognitive rigidity, intolerance of ambiguity, and dogmatism, all of these personality traits presumably indicate higher levels of defensiveness, and the positive correlations between hostility and sex guilt, sexual conservatism, and non-permissiveness, all of which might indicate conflicts about sexuality. McConaughey and Hugh, 1976, defined symbolic racism as, open quote, the expression by whites in terms of abstract ideological symbols and symbolic behaviors of the feeling that blacks are violating cherished values and making illegitimate demands for changes in the racial status quo. This definition can be used to delineate the third functional category of attitudes towards lesbians and gay men. As with symbolic racism, symbolic sexual attitudes express the feeling that cherished values are being violated and that illegitimate demands are being made for changes in the status quo. I will expand the definition, however, to include favorable attitudes that are based upon the belief that discrimination and prejudice themselves violate the values of freedom and equality. Whether favorable or unfavorable, symbolic attitudes derive from socialization experiences, past and present. They express values important to one's concept of self, thereby helping individuals to establish their identity and affirm their notion of the sort of person they perceive themselves to be, while simultaneously mediating their relation to other important individuals and reference groups. This is part of an ongoing social dialectic through which one's sense of self develops, while it also defines interpersonal relationships. And that makes me think of, I was taking um, a critical studies and sexuality course at UBC as part of my undergrad, and uh, I remember the teacher was saying something about how there's a theory that heterosexuals, uh, namely homophobic uh, heterosexuals and, and what have you, people who identify as heterosexual who are homophobic, uh, are using gay men and lesbians to buttress their own identity of being correct, of being right. Um, so I just thought that was an interesting way to verbalize it, sort of using queer identities as buttresses to their own um, heterosexuality. The symbolic pattern is apparent in the empirical data already summarized. Heterosexuals who express hostile attitudes towards homosexual persons also tend to endorse traditional ideologies of family, sexuality, and sex roles, and often are prejudiced against other minorities as well. That some of these same findings also apply to the defensive uh, function underscores the complex, overdetermined nature of attitudes towards homosexual persons. Attitudes serving different functions can be correlated with identical behaviors. You know, and I will say, uh, growing up, you know, it was almost like a dripping faucet. Just little things like driving my friends, my, my brother's friends, you know, I was probably 14, 15, 16, driving them around, having them, you know, in, in my car saying things like, that's so gay. You know, those little things added up over time to erode my sense of self-worth and 
um, that combined with, you know, the, the physical attacks of when I was holding hands with my boyfriend, for example, in New York and being chased up the street by a guy, uh, you know, calling us obscenities, uh, homophobic obscenities. Um, you know, it, it, it makes me realize the need for self-care and the, the really the importance of, of if you are any sort of minority to really love yourself and to take care of yourself and to surround yourself with, uh, people who support you, you know, they talk about having a chosen family. It's important, uh, to, to really surround yourself with people who support you for persons with symbolic attitudes. Certain reference groups appear to be particularly influential. As already mentioned, people who are involved in church groups, as indicated by frequent attendance at church services, reflect the historical religious bias against lesbians and gay men. And this is especially so for Christians. People who grew up in areas where higher tolerance exists for diversity also hold more positive attitudes towards lesbians and gay men. These include city dwellers and people from the northeastern and Pacific coastal regions of the United States. The same studies report that more tolerant attitudes are held by younger persons whose cohorts' values reflect the liberalism of the 60s and 70s, and by persons with more education who presumably have been exposed to liberal values on a college campus. Finally, people are more tolerant of lesbians and gay men if their parents also display tolerance. So that was excerpted with permission from Beyond Homophobia, a social psychological perspective on attitudes towards lesbians and gay men by Gregory M. Herrick in the Journal of Homosexuality. And um, yeah, it's just an interesting take. Um, If you have any insight into why homophobia exists, because it hasn't always existed. For example, in ancient Greece, the norm was bisexuality. Uh, we're living on unceded First Nations territory. They had up to four genders and many tribes. And the so-called homosexuals were considered to be often shamans or healers. I feel like it might be part of this move from the Piscean Age to the Aquarian Age, which happened in 2011, where we move from a repression or a suppression of the divine feminine within all of us, whether we're male, female, or transgendered, to a more um, honoring of gentleness and kindness and, and compassion towards ourselves and others, and to an honoring of the divine mother within all of us. If you have any other ideas, feel free to contact me at willblunderfield.ca, and I look forward to hearing from you soon. Please rate and subscribe on iTunes, and have a beautiful, beautiful day. Namaste. Namaste.